Understanding the realities of the workforce is important for workers, employers, scholars, and pretty much everyone else living in a particular economy. The United States Department of Labor monitors workforce issues at the national level, and the data managed and analyzed by its Bureau of Labor Statistics helps it do so. That's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me in the studio, our regular panelists, John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former Chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. Our guest today is Wendy Martinez, incoming President of the American Statistical Association. She's also the Director of the Mathematical Statistics Research Center at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Wendy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Could you just to get us started, talk a bit about the kinds of data your center is in charge of at the Bureau? Yes. Actually, let me back up a little bit and talk about, um, I guess, my office. So I'm in the Office of Survey Methods Research, and we have two sites to our office. Uh, one is the MassStats uh, Research Center, which is um, the one I belong to. And then we also have the Behavioral Science Group, and they're more involved with the um, you know, questionnaire design and that type of thing. So uh, our office really supports all of the BLS programs. So what does that mean to say you support those programs? The uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics has three main uh, program areas or offices, I guess I I should say. One is um, the Office of Prices and Living Conditions. So that office uh, collects um, information and data on uh, prices. Uh, They have the Consumer Expenditure Survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of that information uh, and data is used to uh, do the Consumer Price Index, which you know, hopefully he's familiar with uh, most of the listeners. Uh, the other office is on um, employee uh, condition, working conditions and benefits. And they do things like collect information on what does it cost to have an employee, uh, all the benefits that employers uh, provide in the, over the country. Uh, also, uh, what's I think really important for um, employees is they also collect information on uh, injuries and illnesses. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and then the third one is um, the employment unemployment uh, statistics, and that office is uh, responsible for producing the um, the monthly uh, unemployment numbers that everybody's, I'm sure, most you know familiar with. Uh, that usually comes out the last Friday of the month. Uh, and then finally, we have another office that's uh, concerned with uh, productivity. So uh, our office, uh, these two sides that I mentioned, these two research centers support uh, all of those uh, surveys with, um, you know, doing, I would say, sort of basic research uh, uh, tasks. So, you know, I, when I hear things like productivity, I often, that, that seems like a really nebulous concept. And, and it seems like productivity may have changed over the years. I mean, if, if we were thinking about uh, working on an assembly line and productivity in that context versus thinking about, um, you know, software being developed or a new app being developed and then distributed. I mean, that, how, is, how is productivity defined and has that, has that evolved over time? Uh, I have to say, I'm going to back up a little bit again. Uh, most of the employees at the Bureau of Labor Statistics are really economists. Hmm. Uh, so some of the economics is, is a bit 
uh, of a mystery to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and probably productivity is the uh, the thing that's most of a mystery to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I think so. The, our office of productivity it's kind of interesting because they do not collect data themselves. So they rely on data that's collected by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the Census Bureau, and I think other offices uh, at the BLS. So they do use um, macroeconomic models, um, uh, models that would be of interest to statisticians, like you know regular regression and so forth. Um, so they kind of take a lot of information together and uh, look at productivity in areas like manufacturing or uh, GDP and so forth. Uh, and, and I should say, maybe just in closing on that question, is that our new commissioner, uh, Dr. William Beach, he's uh, very interested and, and emphasizes the, the issue of productivity. So in my own research, uh, and two of us at the table here are very interested in the, in the job outlook for reporters. Mm -hmm. And so I'll use BLS data, and I know Pew does. Um, how do we know how many reporters there are? There are actually working at daily newspapers. How is that data gathered? How do we know that information? Okay, that's a good question. There's um, an there's a survey in our uh, the employment unemployment statistics uh, office. And it's called the Occupational Employment Survey. Mm -hmm. so if you go to bls.gov, you could find you know find the the data for these surveys. I really like that survey because um, the data you can download it, and it's very easy to uh, understand what's there and to and to use the data. Uh, but they have they have uh, statistics on um, occupations uh, over different industries and throughout the country. Uh, so they would have uh, information on uh, journalists and, and other occupations. So how many, what, what's the size of the staff of people who are gathering that kind of information? Um, the BLS uh, has about 1,500 employees in the national mm -hmm. office. And then uh, there's maybe about another 1,000 uh, around the region. We have different regional offices. Um, the regional offices, they have the uh, economists and others who actually collect the data. Um, and, and so maybe I'm getting into the weeds here a little bit, but if it's uh, household data, the Census Bureau uh, collects that for uh -huh. us. If it's, yeah, if it's establishment, we collect that ourselves. Um, and that's across you know, all the, the, the sort of three program areas that, that I mentioned, prices, uh, working conditions and then employment, unemployment. One of the one 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 more question about this, and and it has to do with projections. So I noticed in in the BLS uh, projection, they say that between 2016 and two thousand twenty six, there's going to be a decline of ten percent in the number of journalists as a projection than the number of print journalists, not broadcast journalists. So where do those projections come from and how do, how do we know that that's gonna be fairly accurate? 
That is a really good question. I actually love that program. <laughs> uh, uh, Richard is so happy that he asked a good question. <laughs> That's he is, right. He's just dancing I around us- the table now. With I him. usually don't. I'm an English major. I usually don't get complimented get for my questions. questions all the time. <laughs> Come on, man. You know? Well, the reason the reason why I like that is uh, I'll kind of cut to the end point on that or the end of that story from the standpoint that what you just described. Um, is information that's used for uh, a very popular uh, product that the Bureau of Labor Statistics produces, which is called the Occupational Outlook Handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's all online now. Uh, it's you that handbook is used by um, you know students as young as in um, middle school, so that uh, they can decide you know what careers they might want to go into because it's got information about the um, the occupations, what type of education is usually ex, you know, expected that a person might have, uh, what's the employment outlook, and so forth. So that's what I think you were referring to. Yes. Um, they have a really, it's kind of an interesting um, process that they do. And the whole um, modeling and the whole process is outlined on the, the BLS website. But it does include information from the census, uh, I think it's the uh, about the population numbers. They kind of look at what's the projected population, the, so they could get the workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, then they do models of um, the GDP. They have macroeconomic models that uh, project out to the future. Uh, you know what's expected in terms of productivity. Uh, there's that word again. Um, <laughs> and and then I'm trying to remember all the steps. But then they um, use information from the occupational employment statistics, uh, and then they kind of put it all together uh, and make their projections. But they also use uh, some additional information from, I believe, subject matter experts to kind of refine the model. So it's not mm. just you know purely math or economics or statistics, but they use some uh, information about the culture. You know the um, you know, what they might be expecting in the future in terms of in terms of our uh, cultural and sociological outlook. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious, Wendy, just in, in the process of conducting these big surveys and these these really important and impactful surveys that, that BLS does, how long does it take to, to design, collect, analyze, and report out on a survey? I mean, it's, it seems like there's, there's so much time. And, and about what fraction of the time is spent in each of these components? I think it varies, but that's a really good question. Uh, these oh yeah, Richard, you're not the only one who can ask a good question. <laughs> well, because most of our surveys uh, have been around for for many years, so uh, the the designs are are pretty well established. That doesn't mean we don't uh, go back and do maybe a redesign uh, when it's when it's needed. Um, but it does take a while for um, for for everybody to kind of collect the data. Uh, do editing, uh, review, and those types of things, and then do the estimates uh, and the modeling. So, for example, that that process that I was trying to describe for the um, employment projections, uh, that can take a year. Hmm. Wow. So, hmm. Yeah, so sometimes there's a, a lag. I think the occupational employment statistics, um, that those are published, I think there's almost a year lag there, too. But I should say all of the information that um, you're asking about is on, on our website. So you should refer to that. And I guess I'm just going to say this too, that 
because we we're a government agency, we, we are transparent, we're objective about you know collecting the data, publishing our statistics. Um, and we have a handbook of methods, which is on our website, and it describes the uh, methodology that we use from uh, the survey design uh, to collecting the data, to doing the estimates, estimating variance, uh, and so on. So all of that um, is, is on the web if people are curious. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking with Wendy Martinez, Director of the Mathematical Statistics Research Center at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Wendy, it sounds like a lot of this work is is, uh, wrapped up in survey data, and I know one of the things that survey researchers often struggle with is the response rate, and that's increasingly become a problem given the fact that, you know, there are no landlines, basically, right? Um, So how does your, how does the work of the BLS um, sort of navigate this issue of non-response when it comes to survey? Or is that an issue you face given sort of the kinds of work that you're doing? That's another really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is a, that is a a big issue with, with surveys uh, now that people uh, you know, they either don't answer the phone, like you mentioned, or they maybe distrust uh, the, the data collection. They don't think it's going to be put to the proper use. So that's uh, something we, we worry about uh, because most of the surveys are voluntary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we do, that's the other side of my office, the behavioral science uh, side, they, they worry about those kinds of things. So they um, do experiment, experiments on you know different modes of data collection, whether it's you know web-based or something else, um, and uh, so they try to then. And I also, in a, folks in our field office, when they're trying to collect the data, they uh, may give the respondents information about you know this is how your data is being used, why it's important, um, and they try to contact. Um, the, the sample units uh, several times to get them to respond. And for those who are interested in statistics, they also look at uh, the non-response bias because that's important. Maybe the response, the non-response uh, might not affect the quality uh, of the estimates. Uh, so they kind of look at what's the, the bias mm-hmm. because people aren't responding. So I, I'm going to ask you a, a journalism question. You know, mm-hmm. so these guys are putting the pressure on me here, Wendy. <laughs> so, so what do you think about how how the BLS reports and some of the summaries and the projections and other information that's contained in the reports, how, how it's covered in in the press? Well, actually, I, I'm, this could sound terrible, but I try to ignore the the press. <laughs> <laughs> You've broken our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not totally true, but um, yeah, I think I, mean, I think there's always times where uh, stories might uh, sort of attack the, the numbers uh, or mm. the, the Bureau, but I believe then there's also many cases where uh, there's positive uh, stories about the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we certainly have a long history of producing mm-hmm. Yeah, quality estimates, um, you know, that we're objective and and what we do, uh, that we're not political. So uh, I, I think that's we've we've stood the test of time in that respect. So just as a quick follow up, you know, I, so some of the numbers that you you all are producing are are just watched with, 
you know, in, incredible intensity. I mean, whether it's the you know the unemployment rates in particular, and and off when you see these numbers reported, it's as if you know they they were carved on stone. <laughs> you know that the these these point estimates are really just they've got so much uh, so much weight to them. But but yet you know there's some process, some sampling that's happened. There's some uncertainty with it, and it, it's it's seldom. I, I don't know that I've ever seen kind of you know, an interval of plausible values reported when, when we see here the percentages of unemployment or underemployment or what, whatever the endpoint is. So, so what do you think about, about that and, and telling the story where, where, it's, where the, the number that's being reported is, is really just kind of maybe the single best estimate, but there's uncertainty associated with it? Well, as and I hope I don't get in trouble with this answer. <laughs> you're, there's no, you're not getting in trouble. We're all friends here, Wendy. <laughs> okay. But as a statistician, I, I, I like to see the the variance or the the um, some error uh, reported along with it or an interval, like you mentioned. Um, I don't know that all of our surveys report. Uh, estimates of variance, but that is something that um, we we look at. In fact, that's something that that my group is is involved with. Is how do we do? How can we make better estimates of um, the variance, or even how can we improve our our estimates? Uh, so so yes, that's something we we certainly look at. I don't. I believe. It, that type of information might be reported differently depending on which survey it is. And, and sometimes depending on uh, the situation, they can't uh, uh, maybe report a statistic because it might inadvertently uh, disclose information mm. or um, somebody's identity, or maybe just the variance is too high. So one of the things that we're trying to do here is to help reporters do a better job of covering data and numbers. So if you're put off by a lot of reports and is there something that you think journalists can do better and report on? Are there stories they're missing? Uh, is there an overemphasis on particular uh, number and not on another number? I, I think it's it's important, of course, that that our data is talked about in the mm -hmm. in the news, because th that's the way I think that uh, the public under will uh, come to understand, you know, how important uh, federal data are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a challenge that that I'm not sure that the that there's a general excuse me a general appreciation for what statistical agencies do and yes. the kind of information that's provided. I mean, when, I, when, when you're talking about the occupational outlook and you're saying that this is something that kids might be reviewing and considering as they look at demands for future careers or as, as journalists are thinking about what's the future of a profession, whether it's broadcast or print, that seems pretty critical. And certainly the unemployment rates are something that everyone, you know, that, that the economy seems to respond to. So it's, it's really important work. Well, you're right, and, and and the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, oh, yeah. uh, that uh, you know is um, maybe drives our cost of living increases and so on. Um, and it's it's interesting. So you asked me about the the non-response and reasons, maybe about and reasons why people don't respond. That was something I I looked at 
uh, in some of my research while working at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is to try to get a sense of why people were not responding uh, by looking at uh, information that was recorded in the the notes from the from the interviewers. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And and the um, what kind of came out of that was some of the reasons were that people were worried about their privacy mm-hmm. um, and you know kind of uh, anti government sentiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, or distrust of the government. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think people don't realize. Uh, like you said, um, John, where, you know, how the data are used, the statistics are used, and why it's important, and how it does affect uh, our daily lives, really. So I'm, I'm curious when you, um, some of, about some of the problems you're working on now, you know, what's, what's one of the future challenges, or, or maybe current challenges associated with some problem that you're considering, and that you're investigating, and that, that you and your team might be trying to understand? Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll do an example. I'll give you an example of one that's not necessarily just in my office, although we've been helping with it. But uh, some of our our uh, employees are working. Researchers are developing methods for. Uh, they call it auto coding, but essentially it's um, supervised learning. I'm getting into the technical that's weeds. A, that's okay. <laughs> but essentially, it's assigning a label to. Uh, something. And this, the something here happens to be, let's say, um, occupational descriptions of an employee's occupation. Uh, and, you know, the government has uh, a set, um, set of occupational codes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, and employers don't often use, you know, they don't necessarily use the same title or code. So if we have a description of, of an employee's uh, job duties, or their title, uh, then we need to assign a code to that. And it, before it was mostly done by, um, by hand. Oh. Yeah. But some of our, uh, researchers, um, they've been doing an excellent job at developing, uh, auto coders that will, uh, you know, they use past data and then, uh, you know, that was labeled and then they build, you know, use models to then build these coders that will assign, um, occupational codes. So uh, it's really been a tremendous time saver. So that's kind of the, I think the the wave of the future is to use more of those techniques to save time and, and be more accurate. So uh, you're, we're, there are three professors here. You've been a teacher, you've been a professor. Um, how would, how would you, what would you recommend students if they want to do your job or, or become, get into statistics and labor statistics? What should they, what should they be majoring in? What courses should they take? Or are there any courses you wish you would have taken uh, at some point and, and didn't? Um, I love that question, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll just, I guess I'll back up. I always keep backing up here, but uh, I'll just say a little bit about um, what I took with my uh, PhD. When I look back on, I got it in 1995. When I look back at what the courses I took, I realized that it it is pretty much what I believe uh, what we call data scientists uh, mm-hmm. would take. Yeah, mm-hmm. would take today, sort of mixture of statistics, but you know both the theory but the computational aspect of it. So. Uh, you know, how could we solve problems computationally rather, 
than with, you know, the theory, I guess. Um, databases, uh, parallel programming, so kind of using using the computer, so having those skills. So both a statistician, computer programmer. Um, and so I think having having those kinds of classes would, would really help. I, I always think too that we should have as many tools in our toolkit as, as we can, because then that gives us the flexibility mm -hmm. um, to make connections and work on different problems. So, you know, focusing on different types of software. So, you know, learning R, Python, mm -hmm. SAS um, would be helpful. And I always think it's good to have good communication skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very good. We like to hear that. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you pointed out, we have to be able to communicate uh, you know, our results and what we're doing to, to, the, to the general public. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.